Thanks for listening to 96.3 FM Ohm Radio, your nonprofit, non-commercial radio station. We are broadcasting live from Workshop at 1503 King Street inside the Ohm Radio Station. I'm Summer Anderson. And I'm Jay Smith. The host of Tales from the Manor. Today we'll be talking to Carolyn Jones. I'd like to welcome my guest, our guest, Carolyn. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. Hello. Thank you so much for being here, Carolyn. I'm so glad to see you. Funny story about uh, my relationship with Carolyn here. I actually work at the um, building where she resides, and I've met her maybe about a year and a half ago. And ever since I met her, she's always been a delight to be around. She's so positive and so knowledgeable, and I just love seeing her smiling face through the hallways. So I'm so glad that she's our first uh, person to interview here and um, can't wait to learn some more about your life and your experiences here in Charleston. Um, so let's just jump right in and get to learning a little bit more about you, Carolyn. So where were you uh, born? I was born in Edgefield, South Carolina. Okay. And is that near Charleston no. area? No. Far it's, away. It's near um, like Aiken, okay. Augusta. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Strong Thurman is from. That's where I was oh, born. Oh wow! At, same place, Edgefield. That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. How was your uh, childhood there? Well, my childhood really wasn't there. I stayed there until I was like five years old, and went. Moved, my mother moved to New York. She oh. left me there and went to New York, and then came back and got me and brought me to New York, and that's where I was raised. So the Big Apple, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I personally love the Big Apple. Did you have a lot of um, great experiences there? Was it a culture shock being in a big city yeah. like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I bet it was. And being um, light-skinned was really hard, too. Really? In those days, you know. Yeah, because everybody called me white, and I tried to explain to them I'm not white, I'm mm-hmm. black, you know. And that was a big problem. Was. Uh, yeah, I know that is um, still a problem today. Yeah. Um, People can look at skin tone and just because you're not dark enough, they Mm -hmm. say you're not uh, able to fit in this category. And if you're not light enough, you're not able to fit in this category. And kind of being somewhere in the middle is um, foreign to a lot of people. And it's a shame because that is literally what our society is going to shape up to be. Everyone's mixing, everyone's uh, coming together. And I think it's a beautiful sight to see different races coming together and um, making blended families and such. But I know it was definitely more difficult um, in your time Mm -hmm. because it was kind of new to everyone that, Oh, you can be two different things at one time. Mm And, um, I can imagine how hard that was for you. Yeah, they used to want to beat me up because I went to, a, like, predominantly black schools, you know, in, in lower-income neighborhoods. And I was the lightest thing there. And they, um, you know, let's beat up the white girl, you know. And I'm like, oh, who's the white girl, you know, because I'm thinking I'm black, you know. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know they called me that because I didn't look at myself in the mirror and say I was different. You know, I just thought I was the same as everybody around me. But that was very difficult, and it still is today. Mm. Michelle Obama talks about that in her book, Becoming. Really? Yeah, she had, uh, would go visit her cousins, and they would always say, why are you talking white? Why are you acting white? And she was like, what? 
she didn't understand what they were saying. She's like, I'm just acting me. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty interesting. I definitely had to um, deal with that in my lifetime. I've felt the same thing that you were saying. People would say that I'm acting white or Mm -hmm. being white. and, And I'm just like, no, it's just me being proper or me just being, this is where I grew up around this is how mm. you know you're a product of your environment i believe mm. that 100% in mm. my environment may have been a little bit more refined and the people that i've grown up around may have spoke differently but it doesn't make me less black or yeah. less whatever i am right. because of the way that i speak mm. and i think that a lot of people need to understand that and it is uh, very important for our culture as a whole as a it's just a people mm-hmm. as a human to understand that different things shape us all and that it's okay to be different and mm-hmm. it's okay to to not be the status quo because who wants to be a stereotype do you want to be a stereotype i know no, you don't carolyn you. no no <laughs> i don't work well with that stereotypes nobody does it doesn't um, feel good does it no but as i got an adult i started to understand more but as a kid it was really hurtful you know Cause kids wouldn't play with me, yeah. and you know, cause you know she's the white girl. You know that mm. was ridiculous mm. to this day, and still to this day, my own people treat me, you know, like the same way. And I'm like, I'm yeah. I'm one of y'all, you know. It's really hard. Carolyn, who has been the kindest to you in your life? My children. Your children. Mm-hmm. What are their names? One is named Melvin, and um, Takesha. And Tucson. Oh. Yeah. Three. And I had two that went to college. Really? Yeah, scholarships Great. to USC and one to Duke University. Amazing. On a basketball scholarship. Oh, my God. And one is in prison, my baby. Yeah. What dreams do you have for your children? Well, they, they're adults, 41, 40, and 36. Right. And they fulfill mostly all the dreams, the two Yes. Older ones. Right. Another one, he made a mistake, but he have to live with that, you know, not yeah. me. So I just stick with him. Right. But that's the dreams for them. They they really, you yeah. know, took education serious, something I didn't do. And, right. You know, so. And when you were raising them, did you put a lot of emphasis on education? Or did not that really. come naturally? It just came naturally, did. yeah. yeah. I didn't like, you know... And when they came home from school, they had to sit at, you know, get a snack and then sit at the table, do their homework. Right. But I was very attentive to what they did and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. more so than what the environment was around us, you know. Right. I kept a close rein on them because I knew what it was like to be let loose. Yes. You know, because my mother didn't, I didn't have that. Right. Mm -hmm. I know you're proud. Yeah, I am. Yeah, so yeah. that is uh, very wonderful. It's really good to um, know that you can be proud of your children mm-hmm. and the the works that you've given them and the knowledge that you've given them, mm-hmm. and just knowing that you've given them a better life than you had, and so to speak. I still can't believe I did. My son is an engineer. Really, computer engineer. Wow. He works for Spadewar. That is awesome. Yeah, my daughter, she um, was a, a sociologist, cultural anthropologist from Duke University. She played basketball, had a scholarship. 
Wow. And were any of those like kind of interests in the home? Did you have any of those interests? No, and they just that's took, the strange it. thing about it. I didn't badger them to do good in school, do good in school. They just did it. That was their job Wow. to me, to, to do school. Well, you that, know? well, you did something. See, my job was at home to come home from school, clean up, go to laundry, do this, do that, because I was the oldest. Right. Yeah, my mother was only 17 when she had me, so. Okay. Yeah. So we basically grew up together. So I didn't have anybody, you know, I was left alone a lot, a lot of neglect. Mm-hmm. More, not physical or sexual, but more like left on my own. And I was the only child for seven years. And how do you think that that affected you in your adulthood today? Well, I, I think it like more so like didn't make me social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. It made me more like turn inward, you know. And it made me more, like, um, I took care of myself. I had to take care of myself. I had, you know. Yeah. I didn't have anybody I can run home to except for my mother, and I couldn't, you know. Yeah, so it was kind of rough, but I made it. And because of that, do you think that your life is any kind of different than you would have imagined as a child, maybe, or? I didn't really imagine anything. Really? I didn't look to the future. Oh. Yeah, I just lived for then. Yeah, I didn't look to what my future would be like, you know. I just repeated what my mother did. Mm-hmm. Had kids at a young age. And was, would have waited, I wish I would have waited mm-hmm. until I was more mature right. to have children. Because I started having kids when I was 17. And that one died. And then I had the other two when I was like 20 and 21. And my kids today say they couldn't imagine having kids at that age while they was in college and stuff like that. And I was like, I couldn't imagine it neither now at this age, you know. But it, it, was, it was something that's done. And, you know, my kids say I was a good mother, but I don't, I don't think I was. And they always tell me, you was a good mother. You fed us, you did this, you made sure we had food, you know, and all these kind of things. Yeah. When your first baby passed away, how did you deal with that? Yeah, it was stillborn. I carried it for nine months, and it was stillborn. My mother put me out, and I went Mm. to North Carolina with the baby's father to save, to have the baby, because she told me to get an abortion or get out. Right. And I chose to leave. Yep. And then I had the baby. I had toxemia. You did. Yeah. And that's what happened. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that was very hurtful. I can't, I can't imagine. It's hard mm-hmm. to get over something like that. Yeah, it Just is. wake up every day and try to put one foot in front of the other. But mm-hmm. it stays with you, doesn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are the most important lessons you've learned in your life? Mm. This life itself taught mm-hmm. me a lot of lessons. And being around people, different people, mm-hmm. because I just watch people, you know, and I deal with a lot of people in my building yeah. from all different walks, you know, of life mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And they think I come from somewhere, you know, that they didn't. Right. And I'm just from where they from, you know. Yeah. But I just don't carry myself in that way because I'm mature. Right. You know? Yeah, well, no. yeah. Everyone forgets that we're all really the same, yeah. aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
If you could um, hold on to one memory from your life, what would that be? Um, I really don't have too many good memories that I would want to hold on to. Uh, my favorite memories is when my kids graduated from college. I guess I can say that. That's a good memory. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I bet it was a really... Because they was the first in our family to do that. Right. You know? Yeah. Go to college, you know, on scholarships. Mm -hmm. You know. So that was that was a good time. And it I don't... still um, is. I don't think a lot of people understand how big of a deal that could be in yeah. the black community yeah. especially because uh, a lot of families their generations past didn't go to college mm -hmm. they didn't have those kind of educations mm -hmm. and for all of your kids to go and to have scholarships nonetheless is mm -hmm. a big deal and, and I bet you felt low really income. proud right you know yeah. And I tried to keep them together you know and stuff like that and try to I didn't try to tell them that but that's that's the that's the answer to poverty, education. That's the answer to me. Everybody want to blame this and that. You got free education. I agree. Yeah. Take advantage of it. You know. Yeah. I, that's the question to poverty. For the cycle to change. You mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Education. To me. Yeah. Education. Yeah. I agree 100 percent. They always say that if you want to hide something <laughs> from us, you hide mm -hmm. it in a book. Mm -hmm. So definitely I agree mm -hmm. with you 100 percent. And I used to take that. them to the library all the time and to stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm sure that buying books and games, all kind of games, Yahtzee, even when they was young and mm -hmm. they knew how to play these things. Wow. You know? I didn't know how to play it, but they knew how, you know. Yeah, but they was very intelligent. They was more intelligent. They was always in um, gifted and talented classes throughout public school. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe it, you know, that they were so smart well. and used it the right way, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for telling us all about your um, your stories with your children, Carolyn. It sounds amazing, and I know you're really proud. Uh, for those of you that are just tuning in, I'm uh, Jay Smith, and I'm your host of Tales from the Manor. And we're talking with um, Carolyn Jones today, and we're just discussing her life and uh, everything that she has to be proud of and um, her mark on the world. So we're going to take a short break here. And we'll be back with more. Didn't I conquer this last year? Tell me what I missed. Cause I fear that it's coming back up again Must be something I ate Some song, some show, some hate mm -hmm. The devil wants to extend the game Free throws And when it ends he wants to make The sequel Cause if he has another chance He feels like he can take 
my joy, my peace, my faith. See the devil, he learns from your mistakes, even if you don't. That's how he keeps you in cycles, cycles.
that was Cycles by uh, Jonathan McReynolds. And um, we asked Carolyn before the show what her favorite song was, a song that meant a lot to her. And um, that's what she chose. And I have to say, it's a very great song. I love it myself personally. Jonathan McReynolds is a great artist. And um, I just want to ask her a little bit about what it means to you that song it's so deep so powerful and it has such a great message for the world so Mm -hmm. how did that become something that's a message to you well it became something because that's that's the problem in our neighborhood cycles and some people just need to break out of that cycle and do your own thing you know not what everybody else is doing or your family did or you know nothing like that because my mother's still in new york i left new york with my kids and moved to Orangeburg. And then my way I got to Charleston, my son moved here for a job. And he asked me if I wanted to come, and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, why not? So that's how I wind up here in Charleston. I also liked how you found the song, is that it was Christmas time. Yeah. And you were, I hear you, I'm with you, trying to avoid the Christmas music. Yeah, they start that I right after Thanksgiving, don't Yeah, they? They, they started it before Thanksgiving <laughs> this year. It's and not I was right. like, no, you didn't. Uh-uh. So I found some, something else. You know, I, don't yeah. want, I want to hear something kind of mellow because that station is mellow. Right, right. So I found, I just ran up on this station. Yeah. I was just turning the dial and I, a song caught my ear and I yeah. kept listening. And now I, I don't, that's all I listen to. Well, thank you. But Bill. it's very deep, but it's, it speaks to, you know, like people like me, like break the cycle, you know. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I told you today I'd send it to a couple of people because I think everyone can connect with that. Everyone's yeah. got their own cycles. Yeah. And it leads me to my next question, which the song talks a little a little bit about being in dark places and struggling with different cycles and different things. Mm-hmm. When in your life have you felt the most alone? I feel alone all the time because I just feel like I'm different from a lot of people. I just mm-hmm. feel always the the outsider, you know, because yeah. I don't really express myself, you know, a lot. I just sit right. and listen and, yeah. until sometime I do. A lot of people know me for me. I love joking and having a good time, you know, and stuff like that. But I'm always in a dark place. Mm. Yeah. I feel like you express yourself very well. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I I know one of the ways that she expresses herself is through poetry. And um, at uh, the building that... um, Carolyn resides in we have this wall and it's a wall of poetry and she wrote the most beautiful poem and I really felt that I connected with her uh, whenever I read it and that I really understood her perception of what was going on um, around her and that was just really something that drew me to her even more and so like i said before every time i see you just have Which this bright you talking about the um one that you were talking about um the people in the community oh, and how do you the... see me oh okay. and i yeah i just love it and, and i wish we what? had it here today <laughs> i jumped up out of bed one morning in 1995 and wrote that it's wow just, that was my first poem first thing i didn't write it for anybody i just wrote it, it was thoughts in my head in know? 1995 yeah that was the year i was born you guys uh-huh. <laughs> what? that's when i wrote it you know 
And when they had that poetry class in the building, that's when I brought it down and showed it to people. But other than that, nobody had really seen it except for my kids. Yeah. Do you still write poetry on a regular basis? No, I, I just, don't write poetry. Sometimes it's harder to keep it in than it is just to get it down. Yeah, but I do write a lot of things down. I write do. sayings I see, and I'm just constantly writing nice things I read or right. poems I see or, mm. you know, stuff like that. I think I think you're an intellectual, Carolyn. You pay attention and you... Mm. You pull the things that resonate with you, and you also share them with the world, with your poem, and yeah. it's pretty amazing. A lot of people fell in love with that poem. Yeah, a lot of people. Incredible. And I wrote one about the building. You did? Yeah, at the class, yeah, about how the building was like Grand Central Station. You know, so much going on. Oh, that's I love it that. right there. Okay. I think we found the poem. Yeah, we found one of them here, um, oh. and I'm just going to read it. Uh, it's about the building that uh, she lives in. It's Joseph Floyd Manor. Um, and if anybody has ever seen that building, it's <laughs> it's very big. And <laughs> it's downtown. And um, I know a lot of people look at it and like, what is that building? Well, that's Joseph Floyd Manor. And it's um, home for a lot of great people. And she wrote this poem about the actual building. So I'm just going to read it for you guys. Um, here we go. If you've ever been to Grand Central Station, that is what Joseph Floyd Manor reminds me of. The noise, the smell, the sound, and all the people. Heading in different directions, it looks like chaos. And it's all in control. Everybody knows why they are there. I'm proud to call Joseph Floyd Manor my home. I just wish everybody else felt the way I do about my home. Wow. That is really something, and I it's can... It's bad to see people tear now when you right, live there. You know, right, it's bad to right. see that. We got to live here. Yeah. You know, that's how I feel. And you I see that every day there. Yeah. Like, I, I am constantly in awe of how people can be in their own home <laughs> and just misrepresented sometimes mm -hmm. or not appreciated as much yeah. as others yeah. and um, start these sort of um, disagreements with each other yeah. when we're all here to be at home. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we're all here to have a place to, to feel comfortable and to be free to be ourselves. And I just think that you are the prime example of accepting that mm -hmm. and, um, actually honoring that and that goes a long way something is better than nothing to yeah. me that's the way I feel you know Carolyn I'm going to ask you one more question mm -hmm. how would you like to be remembered in this world as a person who was fair with everybody you know very fair that's how I would like to be remembered I think that's a good that's a good way to be remembered. Mm -hmm. Thank you for tuning in and supporting independent media, local music, and live public affairs programming. OM is a listener-supporter station and relies on listeners and donors like you to stay on the air. You can donate and learn more about upcoming events and our programming schedule at www.omradio963.org. Thank you so much. Tales from the Manor, Carolyn. Thank you for being here with us today. You were an amazing guest. I can't imagine anyone that could have 
kicked off this better than Carolyn. Thank you. This is Summer Anderson. Jay Smith signing off.